Amen. Everybody doing okay today? Can we just give Jesus a hand one more time, let him know how much we appreciate him? Amen. Amen. It's so good to be here today. My name's Aaron Johnson. I'm a church planter in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, my family and I moved there in August to plant a new church, so we've been there that long. And I just want to thank Pastor Kyle and Pastor Josh for loving us, and Pastor Kyle for um, just allowing me the opportunity to preach God's Word. Um, I've pastored a church for 12 years. I understand what it's like to have someone come in, and so I'm honored that he would allow me to do that today. I want to give you a little bit of my uh, update on my family, how we're doing. Um, life in Bentonville is good. Um, anybody ever been to Northwest Arkansas? Would you raise your hand? All right. Next time you come through, you give me a call, all right? And I would love to introduce you a little bit more to Northwest Arkansas. We love it there. We love the city. We love what God is doing. Our kids are doing great in school. Wife has a full-time job now. Um, had to do that, um, and I'm going to get to this in my sermon, but I had to do that just because of our housing situation in Pennsylvania. It's going to work right into the sermon as it did in the first service. Um, life is good. I want to show you a quick picture of my family and I went to our first Razorback game. I think, I hate to say this, and I know some of you are going to be very disappointed. This is probably our first and last family get-together at the Razorback game. They just, they, they weren't really into it. Um, they, they, my kids had never been around anything like that when they called the hogs. and They're like, I couldn't get them to do that. We were losing, Matt, so that's part of the problem. But it wasn't a fun time, a good time to get together. Uh, Jeremiah's girlfriend from uh, Pittsburgh was there, and we really had a great time. We are really enjoying life in Northwest Arkansas, and we do love the Razorbacks. My kids just don't like football. So we still got basketball. Can I get an amen? Right, We're doing well this year in baseball and all that. So we love Northwest Arkansas and we love uh, what's happening there. I want to give you an update on our launch team. So right now we're in the middle of building our launch team. We plan to launch our church officially on Sunday morning services in September of 2020. And right now we are gathering people together uh, to do that. When I planted my first, our first church in Pittsburgh in 2006, we landed in Pittsburgh and we knew no one. So we are light years ahead of where we were before. Someone asked me earlier how it's going, and I'm like, I want you to know it's not easy. Church planting is difficult. If you've ever planted a church, ever thought about planting a church, ever wanted to plant a church, if I could talk you out of it, I would. If you're called to it, you're going to do it anyways. But church planting is difficult. It's easier than it was before, but it's still hard. I don't know if that makes any sense. But we love what we're doing, and God is blessing our launch team. We already have six families on the ground that are there with us. Um, Russell and Belinda, and then Phil and Brittany are there in the picture. They moved from Cleveland. It's an amazing story of what God is doing, where Todd and his family were planting a church. They moved to northwest Arkansas to help us plant another church. So God's doing some amazing things. That was light up night downtown Bentonville. There's over 7,000 people in downtown Bentonville. It was absolutely nuts, but it was so amazing to see that. Then I want to introduce you to some new friends that I've made since I've been in Bentonville. And this is also going to work into my sermon in just a moment. We moved into our neighborhood, and we literally live in, in and around most, uh, most of the population there in our neighborhood is all made up of people from India. And I love it. And so I'm running with these guys, and their names are Ram, Shavi, and Raja. And I run with them at least three or four times um, a week, and I love it. I was invited over to their house for Labor Day cookout, and Shavig uh, asked me if I would come over and hang out, and I said, yeah, and I walked over, and it was me. I was the only white guy there, 75 Indians, and they looked at me like, who are you, and why are you here? It was really cool, and I looked at them, and I'm like, I am not supposed to be here, but I'm here because God wants me here, and so it's just been amazing. I'm building a relationship with them. They are not my project, these are my friends, and I love them dearly, and I love them, and I love their families, I love their wives, I pray for them often, and I pray that one day 
God would, would, would grab a hold of their heart. They're Hindu, and so they are far from Jesus. But at, from time to time, I'm throwing in the gospel as we run, and I'm sh- introducing them to the Jesus that I know. And it's our prayer that one day they will accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And one day, maybe one day, one of them can actually help us reach the Indian population in northwest Arkansas. I don't know if that's what God's up to, but we're just along for the ride. So it's been an amazing thing. If you could pray for those guys, pray that we're having them over on Friday night, and we're going to have them over for dessert and... Um, coffee and tea, and we're going to continue to love them and their family, and we're so excited about that. Well, let's get to today's message. Before I do that, I want to say thank you. Thank you, Holland Chapel. Thank you for your investment in us. Thank you for believing in me and my, my family and I and our team to plant a new church in Northwest Arkansas. And thank a lot of you that are here today, I'm looking around and I'm seeing you. Some of you are individually investing and partnered with us in our church plant in Northwest Arkansas, and I want to stand here today and say thank you for your commitment to be part of the story that God is writing in Northwest Arkansas. So if you have a Bible, I invite your attention to the book of Psalm 97. Psalm 97, today I want to talk about Jesus being king. Jesus being king. So I want to introduce it this way. Hi, my name's Aaron. And sometimes I worship other things than my Jesus, than the king that I know. I spent a large part of my life claiming Jesus as my king and Christ alone, and, and, and professing that with my mouth, but not always making him king of my life. I would go to church, and I would do the things. I, I'd never miss church. I was there on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and Thursday night for visitation. Anybody ever been on Thursday night visitation? I'm the only one. Cool, just two of us. But I would go there, and I'd be like, Dad, I was, I was committed to the church. I was committed to learning scripture. I was committed to, to learning the songs that we sang out of the hymnal, the first, the second, and the last verse. Anybody remember those days? I was that guy, and I had it memorized, and I thought that I was okay. And in my mind and with my mouth, I made Jesus king, but in my heart, I was far from knowing who Jesus really was. Now that Jesus is king of my heart, now after 25 years I spent trying to make him king of my heart, when I finally bowed my knee and I cried out to Jesus and said, please save me, now that he is king of my heart, I can make him king of my life. And I think, though, if we'll all admit it, those of us who are followers of Jesus, those of us who claim to know Jesus and we believe in him, sometimes we find ourselves worshiping other things than King Jesus. King, should be, king Jesus should be king of our, of our life. We'll read a pastor of scripture. Pastor Kyle will preach a great message. Pastor Keaton's up here just leading us in worship, and we commit to God that I'm not going to worship any other thing besides you today, God. In an hour and a half, we're down at the outlets, and we're worshiping something other than Jesus. Anybody find yourself in that way? I, I, hopefully, I, I'm that guy. I'm the guy who, if I'm not careful, I worship other things than Jesus. So to borrow a line from Kanye, anybody know who Kanye is? He ain't Jesus, but he made an amazing album called Jesus is King. So stand to your feet. I want to talk about Jesus being key. I want, to stand, I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to read God's word today. We do this in honor of him. And I wanted to do it today just to honor God because he is king. Let me try that again. You can say amen if you believe it. Jesus is king. Okay, and we stand to honor you, God, to honor your son, to honor who you are. Verse, verse 1 of, of Psalm 97 says this, The Lord is king. Would you say that phrase with me? All right, that was really good, but let's try it again. I, in case he didn't hear us, which he heard us the first time, but maybe you didn't. Let's say it again. One, two, three. The Lord is king. 
I love it. And he is, he is magnified and glorified when we together collectively say that. The Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Let the farthest coastlands be glad. Dark clouds surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire spreads ahead of him and burns up all his foes. His lightning flashes across the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. And the next verse, I want you to help me with it. Verse 6, say that first phrase with me. The heavens proclaim his righteousness. I love that. Every nation sees his glory. Verse 7, those who worship idols are disgraced. All who brag about their worthless gods, for every god must bow to him. Who are we talking about? Yeah, they all must bow down to him. Verse, verse 8, Jerusalem has heard and rejoiced, and all the towns of Judah are glad because of your justice, O Lord. Let's read the last verse together and worship to him today. Verse 9, for you, O Lord, are supreme over all the earth. You are exalted far above all. God, let's pray. God, you're faithful, and you are, you are holy, and you are the king. Today, God, we stand in honor of you. Jesus, because of what you did for us, you died on a cross, and you were buried, and you rose again the third day, and then you ascended to heaven a few weeks later, and you sat down at your throne declaring that you are king. So today, God, collectively as a body, as a church, we together collectively admit that you are the king of the world. We love you. We praise you. We ask God that you would change us. We open our hearts and our minds to the word of God. The Holy Spirit would come in and speak to us in an amazing way. We love you and praise you. We thank you for all that you've done. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everybody said. Please have a seat. So if Pastor Kyle is a five on the energy level, I'm a ten. All right? So just put your seatbelt on. For the next 35 minutes, we're going to have fun. I'm going to get after it. I'm just going to be who I am. Um, they said they could hear me preaching on the first service in the Sunday school, so I apologize in advance to any Sunday school teachers that I offended for preaching really loud. I, I love the Word of God, and I love to preach, so let's, let's have fun today. Grab your program. The first fill in the blank is, the Lord is King. I like to take notes in your program. The first fill in the blank is, the Lord is King. The psalmist declares in verse 1, the Lord is King. Let the earth rejoice. Let the farthest coastlands be glad. Whether we admit it or not, even when we do not recognize Jesus or Yahweh or God as king, Yahweh is king. We don't have to admit that he is king in order for him to be king. He is king. The scripture tells us today Jesus is king. Why? Jesus came. He bled and died. Uh, he reconciled the world to himself through the cross. Now the Holy Spirit draws both believers and those who might be skeptics, and he whispers to them, make me your king. If you listen closely today, you will hear the Holy Spirit say to you what God says through his word, make me your king. Make me your king. If you listen closely, you'll hear the Holy Spirit through his word speak to your heart, and he will say to you, make me your king. As a result of him being king, because he is king, the next point, I can rest. I can rest. Everybody say it with me, I can rest. Some of y'all look stressed out. Anybody have a crazy, whacked out Thanksgiving? Anybody got a crazy family? Am I the only one? Uh, some of y'all are lying, I know. I saw your pictures on Instagram and Facebook, but it was crazy. Like, this is what we prayed for. We prayed that we could come home, and we came to Benton, and we drove drove here, and we hung out with Renee's family for, for a few hours, and we got back in the car, but before we did that, we locked our keys in the car. Anybody ever locked your keys in the car? It's hard to get keys from northwest Arkansas to Benton. 
okay? But because God is good and because he is king, somebody just happened to be driving from Bentonville to Benton and to Hot Springs, and we got our keys back. That's all glory to God. I can't make, you can't make that stuff up, Matt. I'm, it's crazy. Because God is king, but it's crazy. Then we drove back, and we got back to northwest Arkansas at 1 o'clock. Then we got up the next day, right? And, and it's just crazy, and it's chaos. But even though it's crazy, even though your life seems out of control, even though you may be faced with something that mean, just seems crazy, like, God, why does it have to work like this? Why is it going down like this? Like, I didn't plan it this way. Because he is king, we can rest. I want to share a story with you of something that happened to us recently so when we moved to Benton, we had a house in Pennsylvania that we just couldn't sell. So we rented it out, and there, it was working out just fine. But then we decided that we were going to plant a church in northwest Arkansas, and we knew that we needed to leave here. We were paying rent here in Benton, but we needed to buy a house in Bentonville. And we're like, God, we need to sell our house in Pennsylvania. We can't pay both the rent and the mortgage. It will not work. In your mind, does that make sense? In my mind, it just didn't make sense. God, it will not work. And I was just really angry at God. I'll be honest with you. I raised my fist at God and said, God, this isn't the way it's supposed to happen. Why is it working like this? I'm going to tell you right now, I stand on this stage six months later, and we have, been, we have had everything we need. Can I get an amen from anybody? God has provided for every one of our needs. Every time that rent bill came in, and every time it was time for us to pay rent, there was enough money. Why? Because Jesus is king even over houses in Pennsylvania. And we have to believe that. And so now, to this day, why do I live in the house in the neighborhood that I am? So I can meet Shavi, Ram, and Raja. I was so mad at God, and I was like, God, I don't want to live here. I, this is not what I wanted. And I got, literally, we moved our stuff in. I walked across the, the street to, help, to, to meet these new people after we were taking our truck back. And I looked at Ram, and I looked at Shavi, and I looked at Raja. I still have problems with their names. Can anybody understand that? I'm like, oh gosh, I don't want to mess it up. But that's why I moved to that neighborhood. And God is king over everything that you have going on. He is the king. And we have to read the scriptures and believe in our hearts that God is king over everything. Look at verse 2, the second part. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. This verse, if you're, if you're following along, you want to jot this down. I didn't put this in your notes. My king sits on his throne. My king sits on his throne. Our king sits on the throne, number one, because his work is done. He is finished. He's relaxed. He's done everything that God called him to do. And he sat down at the right hand of the Father, and he sat down, and he said, I'm finished. He is the king who sat down because he finished his work. But number two, it signifies he has great authority. God has all authority over everything. And I love that. He is a king because of who he is. He's earned it, and he deserves it. Turn, hold your place there in Psalms. I want us to go over to Philippians chapter 2, one of my favorite pastor scripture in all of the Bible. This, the, these specific verses are so powerful to me. Look what it says about Jesus verse, in verse 6. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He said, you know what? I will leave heaven. I'll leave heaven. I'll leave everything that's perfect here with God, with God the Father. I'll leave heaven. He took on the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He came to earth, right? John 1 tells us. In verse 9, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. I did this in the first service. I'm going to do it again. On the count of three, say your name. One, two, three. Some of y'all don't know your name. 
you know? Let's try it one more time. One, two, three. I'm just here to tell you, though, you ain't that big a deal. And when we get to heaven, your name, my name, will not be plastered all over heaven. Whose name will be plastered? Who will we worship in heaven? Who is heaven about? You or me? It's about who? Jesus. And I, I love this. It's because, he, because of what he did. Because of who he was and what he did, he is now the king. These amazing qualities that Jesus had that, that Philippians tells us, humility, submission, obedience to death. And after death, they put him in a tomb, and then he came back to life. The next time you come back to life, you can be a king. But until you do that, you can't be the king. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. Can I get an amen? Right? It's, so, it's such good news. It's the gospel. And then he went to heaven to be with his father, and he sat down at the right hand of the father. God elevated him to be the king. Why? Because he deserves to sit on the throne. He deserves to be there. Look at verse 10. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Is that everybody? Yes, that's everyone. Look at verse 11. And every tongue confess and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We worship God because he is king. He is king and he sh we should bow to him. Can I be honest with you? I'm not going to wait till heaven to worship Jesus. You see me up here worshiping? One of the things that we've missed so much, was we've missed our Holland Chapel family. I'm going to be real honest with you. We've been bouncing around to different churches. I've been preaching. They cast some vision about Northwest Arkansas. So we haven't really had a whole lot of consistency. And our team is going to begin meeting together. But I just love being here to worship the King of Kings with my family. I love to be here. But I'm going to tell you right now, Matt, I am not going to wait to get to heaven to worship Jesus. I'm going to do it like he's here right now. And that's what we should do. We should worship Jesus because he is the King. And when we gather together, please don't take this for granted. This is an amazing thing that God has given you as the body called Hall and Chapel, you need to be here. You need to be at church and worshiping Jesus because you can't substitute this with anything else. Is everybody, I, I don't know about you, but I feel so much better when I leave church because I have made it more about Jesus and less about Aaron Johnson. And I say, Jesus, you are the king. I lift my hands up and I, was, I want everybody to know, including my wife and my kids, Jesus is number one. I make you number one. Anyone here today, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I want to just give God a hand of praise because he is the king. Can we do that today? Amen. I don't think you're going to be disappointed when you get to heaven and God said, why did you give me a hand that day? You're going to be glad that you gave Jesus a hand. Let's go back to Psalm 97, verse 6. The heavens proclaim his righteousness. Every nation sees his glory. What's this verse tell us? Because he is king, the heavens declare that he is right, that he is just. They scream of his glory. God's hand is written all over the sky, all over creation. I want to show you a picture of a, of a sky and a beach. I was in California. Um, Arkansas has got some pretty awesome places. Northwest Arkansas has got some sweet places. South Arkansas. But we ain't got nothing like that. Right? And I, I was looking at that, I was standing on that beach, and one of my friend, good friends from Texas, Tony Harp, took that picture. And I was like, you can't make that up, God. You did that. You created that. Look at the sky. Look at the colors. Look at the trees over there. Like, we don't have awesome palm, palm trees in Arkansas. What do we have? Daggum pine trees, right? And you look at that, and you're like, who can make that up? And then you look at the ocean, and it never stops. It just keeps coming and keeps coming. And I'm like, are the waves ever going to stop? 
You ever wonder that? Like I look at the ocean, I'm like, why does it keep going? Because God is in control. You look at that picture and then you see that stupid seagull right there in the middle of it, right? That's where my mind goes. But I'm like, God created that. And you can't make that up. That picture declares the glory of the king. Jesus is king. God's hand is written in the sky. It's written in the sun. It's written in the stars. We cannot look up at the heavens and not declare God is in charge and he is the king. Therefore, verse 7, first part of verse 7, those who worship. Everybody say that those three words with me. Those who worship. Pay attention when the, when the scriptures, when, when the psalmist is writing this, he wants us to know something very specific. I believe this verse tells us very specifically that we, as, as people, we were created to worship. We all worship someone. We worship our, our, our bride, our wife, or our husband. We worship our kids. We worship sports. We were created. Why do we do that? Why, do, why, do, why are people in love with their money? Why are people, we even, we even fought, we could fall in love with the church. I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I worship my position as a church planner. And God says, no, 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 wait. I'm okay with you being a church planner, but I have to be number one. But why do we do that? We were created to worship. And so if we're not careful, we worship other things besides the one who should be worshipped. Look at verse 7. When we worship other things, he tells us specifically what happens. Those who worship idols are what? Disgraced. The NLT uses that word, and it translates that, that Hebrew word, disgraced. All who brag about their worthless gods, for every god must bow to who? To him, to the king. When we choose to worship idols, anything that we put on the throne other than Jesus, we are disgraced. That, that word disgraced comes from a Hebrew word which means ashamed or disappointed. I don't know about you. But whenever I give another God my attention, and a God is a small g, is anything that we put in place of God is a God. Okay, And when I worship other gods, I give my attention, my time, my energy, it leaves me disappointed and somewhat ashamed that I rob King Jesus of the worship that he deserves. When we don't worship King Jesus as number one in our life and put him on the throne that he deserves to sit on, then we find ourselves being disgraced. Because, the next point, my king is worthy of worship. We were created to worship something, and we were created to worship our king. Ignorantly, some worship other kings, other gods. But we, as believers, if we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we know that we should worship the king. Verse 9, let's move on in our text. For you, O Lord, are supreme. Everybody say the word supreme. For you, this is what the psalmist says, for you, he's speaking to God. And it says, for you are supreme over all the earth. You are exalted above all gods. Our king is supreme. Another translation translates verse 9 this way. Yahweh is the most high over all things. I don't use the word supreme often. But in my vernacular, the way that I talk and the, and the interaction that I have with people, I, use it, I, I say it that way. Yahweh or, king, or God is the most high over all Things He deserves for us to make him king over our finances, over our family, over our relationships, over our marriage, over our lives, over our businesses. God says, I want to be number one over everything. I want to be supreme over everything that you have, everything that you are. Last one that I want to make, and I want to finish with Revelation chapter 19. I want to worship now and in eternity. I want to worship now and in eternity. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. I want you to read this. Is, if Philippians 
2 is my, one of my favorite. This is my second favorite. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. This is the future. This is what's going to happen one day. And I can't wait to, to be there. Listen, listen to what John wrote in verse 11. Then I saw heaven open, and a white horse was standing there. Quick poll. Who rides a white horse? A king. The king rides the white horse. Okay, now that we know that, then I saw heaven open, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named, say those next three words with me. Try one more time. Faithful and true. Okay? That's not always me. I am sometimes faithful and I am sometimes true. Right? But I know a God who is faithful, who is always faithful, who is always true, and his name is what? Jesus. They, he, John says his name was faithful and true, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. Look at verse 12. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. I don't understand any of that, but one day he's going to have a name, and we're not going to understand it, but he's going to tell us what it is. Look at verse 13. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was, what's the next three words? The Word of God. Who is that? We know who that is. We've read John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who's he talking about? Jesus. He is the Word of God. Verse 14. The armies of heaven, I love this, the armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen follow him on white horses. That's us. If we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we're going to be at the battle, but we're not going to do anything. Jesus is going to kick butt and take names. We're just going to be hanging out on a horse. Now, I rode a horse for the first time right before I left Benton the, back in like August, and it was the scariest thing I've ever experienced in my life. Are they here? Is the family here that, anyways, Lily's decided that she wanted to ride a horse, and get, Renee was not getting on the horse. So, dad had to man up and get on the horse, Grant, and it was a scary, you know why it was so scary? Because I was out of control. But I'm going to tell you, in Revelation chapter 19, when you see Aaron coming in the army, I'm going to be like, whoo, I'm, I'm going to ride that horse like I own it, not like I did in Benton. And it's such an amazing story to me to think that we, those of us who know Jesus Christ, Jesus is going to come riding on a horse, a white horse, because he is the king. And those of us who know Jesus will come with him to watch this battle go down. Look at verse 15. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the wrath of God the Almighty like juice flowing from a wine press. Verse 16. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Can we give the king a hand? <laughs> Amen. I cannot wait till Jesus comes back. I cannot wait to see him riding on a white horse just going into battle to take care of business, to take care of the evil one called Satan and all the things. That, he's going to make everything new. He's going to make everything right. King Jesus is going to come back and fight this battle. So he will fight for us. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he is calling us to worship him. Based on what I've shared with you today, I want to ask you one last question. And I really want it to mess you up. I hope it does. I hope you leave here thinking about this. Have you made Jesus your king? I don't want you to think about anything else. I want you to think about lunch. I don't want to think about, I need to kill a deer. I don't want you to think about what you're going to do tomorrow. I want, right now, where you are, 
I want you to decide. I don't want you to think about your husband or your, or your wife or your kids or your mom or your dad or your friend. Right now where you are, I want you to think about your life. Have you made Jesus king of your life? You see, I think it can be asked for both believers and unbelievers. Have you made Jesus number one in your life? Those of us who know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, every day that we wake up, we have to make him number one. Number one. He has to be number one. He deserves to sit on the throne. Some of us are sitting on the throne that Jesus wants to sit on. Some of us have put other things on the throne that he deserves to sit on. Those of us who profess to know Jesus, we have to decide today, is Jesus going to be number one in my life? Is he king of my life? But the other group of people here, you may be exploring Jesus in your faith for the first time today, and you came in with a friend, and you've never heard much about this guy named Jesus. Micah has a new friend that we were just talking about on the way down. He's my roadie. He came with me all the way from northwest Arkansas. And we were talking about his friend, and his friend doesn't really know who Jesus is. Right? He's exploring his faith. He's, he didn't grow up in church like some of us. And he, he doesn't know who Jesus is. So our prayer is that Micah can introduce him to Jesus. But if you're here and you've never, you, you didn't come to church, you didn't grow up coming to church, and maybe you heard about this Jesus for the first time, he wants you to make him king of your life. He is, he is begging, he is pleading, the Holy Spirit is moving, and he is convicting, and he is saying to you, you too need to make Jesus number one in your life. Let's pray. God, you are faithful, you are holy, you are righteous, you are the king. Collectively, we gather together in the name of Jesus. One of the most amazing things that I love about Pastor Kyle and Holland Chapel is this is all about Jesus. We pause right now where we are to have a conversation with you. There's some of us that are in this room right now that we have been guilty of not making Jesus number one in our life. God, I'll be the first one to admit, I'll raise my hand and I'll say, God, I, there have been times over the past month that I have not made you number one. That someone else is getting the glory and I am worshiping something else besides you, King Jesus. And I believe with all my heart there are other believers that are here today who too need to say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I haven't been making you number one in my life. Would you please forgive me? But God, I believe there's also a, a group of people that are here today who are exploring their faith for the first time, and they're, they're exploring this thing about following Jesus. And Jesus, I just want to say to them, thank you for dying on a cross for our sins, making a way for us to get to God. The Bible tells us that we're all sinners. We've all messed up. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, and as a result of death, God, of our sin, we deserve to die. But the good news is that Jesus came and died on a cross so we don't have to die. We don't have to pay for our sins forever in a real place called hell. We can put our faith and trust in the real Jesus that died on a cross. And if we do, God, you will forgive us of our sins, you will save us, and you'll give us a home in heaven when we die. We love you, we praise you, we give this day back to you, we worship you because you are the king. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everybody said.